It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. We, uh, we're going to talk about a passage, not really talk about the passage itself, but a concept that's found in that passage. And, and it's found in Psalms 118, verse 8 and 9, that we just read. And uh, it comes from a, a little short psalm. Actually, it's, there, there are less than 30 verses in this psalm. It's, it's sure packed with a lot of good information. But the text that, that we have before us is one that says uh, that I prefer it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And the second verse says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. As human beings, and I'm going to talk very practically this morning, and, and because I believe the Bible is a practical book. Anyone who's read the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Psalms and the book of the, the uh, Kings and the Chronicles and so forth, Ezra and Nehemiah, when you get into the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that, that the book, the Bible is not an ethereal book that deals with spiritual matters that you can't put into practice or put into place, but it's a very practical book. Jesus, in, in his teaching, he being the Son of God and being the Word of God himself, uh, he used a lot of practical examples in order to illustrate the truths that he's trying to impress. Now, what I'm going to do this morning is talk about a practical aspect of our lives as humans, human beings. And that, that practical part of our life is that we're always looking for something that is stable in our lives, something we can put our full weight down on and feel comfortable that things are going to be okay, maybe not worse, but maybe a little better, but at least everything will be stable and solid, and that we can move through life without being constantly in a state of flux or constantly uneasy, constantly out of balance. Now, there, there are two terms or two illustrations I want to use. And I, they're, they're not really metaphors. They're just illustrations. One is an illustration of the fact that when we're born into this world, we come into this world as infants, obviously, and we leave as adults. Sometimes we don't get all the way through. And the, the Bible says that the days of our lives are three score and ten, if by reason of strength, four score. And yet their strength is sorrow and suffering. Well, they're, they're soon pass away and we fly away. Anyway, the period of time we live on this earth is a time from birth to death. And we're trying to get our feet underneath us and we're trying to stand on something solid, move on something solid. Now, what I'm going to suggest is that, the, that what we're trying to stand on basically if we think about it, most of us try to think about it once in a while. Sometimes we don't think about it because it's, unha it's not a pleasant thought, but we're trying to think about being able to stand firm. If we're standing on a sheet of ice from the beginning to the end of our lives, what we're trying to stand on is something that's solid, frozen through, thick enough to support our weight. And yet at times we get into areas that are thin. And so we say, if we're not careful, we'll get on thin ice and we may break through. So that can happen and that does happen. 
When I was a young fellow, we had a freeze, a real hard freeze back in the little town that we lived in. And uh, it, it froze a, a lake that we had. It was a man-made lake just outside of the uh, city limits. And it had about 50 acres, basically. Anyway, it froze the lake. And uh, some of the fellows that owned automobiles discovered that they could drive their cars on the lake and spin them around and have fun. Well, that got our attention. I wasn't old enough to have a car, but uh, it got the attention of the younger fellows, so we went to the lake to watch what was going on. Most of the cars were pre-1950 automobiles. They're old cars. And anyway, the, the uh, fellows that were driving, the young guys that were driving, were having fun on the lake. Well, you know what happened. One of them went through. It didn't go all the way through, but the front end sank, which was the heaviest part of the car. The engine was on the front. It went through. The good news is that they were able to get it out. But the point I'm making is that if you're not careful in this life, you get on thin ice and you'll break through. That can happen and generally will happen. Another illustration is that I want to use along this same line. Now, I don't want to mix metaphors or illustrations, but it's basically the same thing. You may have heard of a, 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 a term used to describe the tundra up in the north part of this country, in Alaska and even in Canada. The tundra is called the land of the shaking earth or the quivering earth. Shaking earth because on top of the water is a layer of earth and as you walk on that earth, it moves and your legs feel funny. And so you're walking on unsteady ground and you're not really sure if you get in the wrong place that you'll go through that ground and disappear. Shaking ground, thin ice. There's a movie, or not a movie, but a documentary that sometimes you can run into on television where ice road truckers try to deliver goods up into the north part of Alaska, back up into Fairbanks and places like that. And uh, they have to go at a certain time of the year. They can't go in the worst time of the year, the coldest, because of the blizzards and the, and the conditions they can't get through. But when the, when the weather clears up a little bit, then they try to go through, and they're on these great, in these great big 18-wheel vehicles. And they're crossing rivers that are frozen. But the rivers are starting to thaw. And as they go across these rivers with these big trucks carrying a lot of equipment, thousands and thousands of pounds, you can almost hear, well, you can hear, the ice cracking underneath these trucks. So it, it kind of gives you the feeling of, things are not so stable. Well, what, the, what these illustrations tell me is that we believe in our lives, and we live, we're living in a time of, of distress right now, if, if, if probably the greatest time of, of distress that, that many of us have been in, but we believe that the things that surround us need to be solid. We need to have some solid ground and some frozen, thick, frozen ice under our feet so we can feel at ease that things will be okay. Charles Dickens wrote a, a book called The Tale of Two Cities. And in that he said, 
It was the best of times and the worst of times. And that probably describes us right now, the best of times and the worst of times. But somebody says, well, you know what? We can get through this. I can get through this as long as I can put bread on my table. Now that assumes a couple of things, doesn't it? One thing, it assumes that you have a table to put bread on. And the next thing that it assumes is that you have enough wherewithal to go out and get the bread to put on your table. So what I'm saying is, it's not always easy to, be, to have something dependable that you can put your weight on and say, okay, I know the sun's coming up tomorrow. We know it is, because it's, it came up yesterday. We believe it's going to come up tomorrow. We believe that things will happen like they have before. And people can say, well, that, that, it's, it's just as sure as, as sun coming up, sun rising tomorrow. It's just that sure. Well, things aren't that sure in life, really. They're not that sure. They're not that steady. And the ice under our feet is not that thick at times. And the ground is not that stable at times. There are times in our lives when what we feel we can depend on, we can't depend on it. We cannot depend on it. I have a poem that uh, I, I want to read for you. It's written by a fellow by the name of Shelley. Percy Bish Shelley. And it's called Ozymandias. I ran across this years and years ago, and I, I thought, this is a great poem. So I'm going to read it for you. Ozymandias, it, and it goes this way. I met a traveler from an antique land who said... Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that the sculpture well those passions read, which yet survive. Stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed, and on the pedestal these words appear, My name is Ozymandias. King of kings, look on my works, you mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round and around the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Ozymandias. My empire is here, he says. And now here's all, all that's left of it. If we believe that we can place our confidence and our trust on the government. And that's what this is. Believing that the government will always be there from cradle to grave to take care of us. My friends, we're standing on thin ice. We're standing on shaking ground. If I believe that the only way I'm going to be able to get through this life is to depend upon human governments to take care of me, then I have to be careful. Now, understand that the ice is thick in some places and thin in others. And the ground quakes over here and in other places, it's soft enough that you can fall through. Some people will depend on the government all their lives and get by without any problem. Others will depend upon the government to pay their, to pay their expenses, to take care of them from cradle to grave. They'll depend on it and yet they'll get on thin ice and go through, break through. Governments don't last. When we believe, th when we think 
that the government is strong enough and, and mighty enough to last forever, then I would remind you of what Ozymandias said. And he said, look on my kingdom and despair. Well, all the despair we have is looking at his lost kingdom. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go. The third Reich tells us that. Some of us have lived long enough to know that we have seen kingdoms fall. The third Reich, Hitler's kingdom, which is supposed to be a 1,000 year reign, fell. And some of us witnessed the fall of it. Some of us have witnessed the fall of Soviet Russia. Some of us have witnessed the fall of the Czech Republic. Some of us have witnessed the fall of Cuba. We've witnessed the fall of these countries and these kingdoms. And some of us have stood by and watched as the kingdom of Great Britain has dwindled. They used to say, they used to have a statement like this that said, the sun never sets on the kingdom of Britain. That's because it had spread, spread its tentacles, tentacles all over the world. But now then, it's back to a little island and perhaps Canada and a few other islands. But it's dwindled and shrunk. So when we begin to put our confidence in a government, we're going to find ourselves sometimes on thin ice. Our government right now, our democracy, is, is uh, being shaken. And it's being challenged. And the pillars of democracy are being rattled. Now, if we believe that the government is going to take care of us and all of our needs, we need to re rethink that. But even so, it may help some and it may not help others. Best of days and the worst of days. Best of times and the worst of times. The government is thin ice. Well, okay. How about if we just depend upon ourselves and we build ourselves a nest egg? We get that going. Well, we know what the Bible says about this. And other writers have said the same thing. Poets have demeaned it and everyone else. Riches are in the eyes of the beholder and riches will not last. We know that. And uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, for those who believe what the Bible says and what Paul said and what the Proverbs say, if we believe that, we understand that the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some have coveted after, they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Jesus said that we should not lay on this earth riches, that uh, the thieves can break through and steal, that the malls can eat up, and that can, that can corrupt. Well, the expression sound as a dollar is an expression that isn't true. Sometimes a dollar is not sound. Not too long ago, Bonnie and I discovered that, that uh, some currencies have an uh, expiration date on them. Did you know that? We had get, we'd been given some foreign currency from Mexico, the state of Mexico, the government of Mexico. And we'd been given some currency and we'd collected some. We'd made a trip down uh, in, into Mexico a couple of times. And we'd accumulated some pesos and et cetera and, and some notes. And, and we had accumulated a lot of what we thought was money. So we said, okay, why don't we convert this back into U.S. dollars? And so we took it to the bank, and the bank said, these have expired. This money has expired. 
currency has an expiration date. Well, of course, the uh, United States government stands behind its currency, and there is no expiration date on that, but there have been times, and there may come another time, when there is an expiration date on currency. What kind of ice are we standing on? Well, currency is as good as the one who guarantees it. And if we decide that this is how we're going to get stable in this life by amassing wealth, we have to think about the collapse of the stock market. We have to, we have to think about currency. Well, someone says, well, I'm going to, I'll tell you what, I can beat this game. I'm going to convert everything that I have into gold. Well, that's okay, but then you have to convert it back into currency in order to spend it. So it's a catch-22 situation. What I'm saying is we're on shaky ground if we think that this is what is going to sustain us throughout all of our lives. Well, all right. I want something more substantial. Well, let's get some property. This country was established on the basis of people who wanted to own property. The pilgrims who came to the United States came because the elite and the landed and the royalty could own property, but the common person could not, could not own property. And so when, when uh, this country was established, then people realized that this was a great land of opportunity and we could accumulate property because that's something you can stand on and really be firm. Buy your first house. Get an acre of land. Make sure you have something solid. Our forefathers even thought that, uh, hey, property is so essential, personal property, physical property, real estate, so essential that we're going to make sure that no one can vote in this democracy unless they're a property owner. Well, that was cast out, of course. That was cast aside. So everybody can vote. And so it's not just a matter of having property that can vote, but we recognize the value of property. And so we have the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendment in our Constitution that guarantees our right and protection of our personal property. But... That's, that sounds solid, doesn't it? But there's such a thing as adverse possession, which means if somebody sits on your property for a long time and you don't shoo them off, that they can take possession of it legally. You say, wait a minute. That's my property. That's, I've got my feet solidly planted here. Yes, but now then we're going to ask you to get off because somebody else is going to get on. Now, the same thing about eminent domain laws. If the government comes along and says, your property is better used for the public right and good, then they can move you off your property. Well, they'll pay you for it, but they'll still move you off your property. So it can be exercised to, to deprive a person of their property. That, that can happen, or we can go bankrupt, and the bank can say, it's my property, get off so again, we're talking about how do we feel stable and comfortable and secure in this life? Well, get, get a house. Yes, but keep that house if you can, and sometimes you can't. Okay. What I'll do then is I'll make sure that I associate with the right people 
and these people can help me maintain what I have. I'll vote the right way. I'll vote with the majority. I'll stand with the majority. I'll make sure that everything is proper and that I have myself surrounded by friends, those who support me in what I'm doing. Remember that term support. They're supporting me. It's either an individual or a group of individuals that we feel like if we're with them, we're okay and we're not on shaky ground. We're not on thin ice. And yet, you know, Micah said, don't trust your friend. Micah chapter 7, verse 5, don't trust your friend. Ecclesiastes 4, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 and 10, although, recommends that you have a friend because it says two is better than one. If one falls, the other will lift him up. I usually use that as a reference to wearing a belt and suspenders. But if your pants fall, one of them will catch it, either your suspenders or your belt. But that's talking about a friend. But friends are not always reliable. You can't always depend on a friend. Jesus was betrayed by a friend. For us to think that we can have friends and will always have friends and someone will always be there to prop us up when we fall or to catch us when we tip over, that may not happen. It may not happen. Anyone who's ever been betrayed will tell you that story, that it is a painful loss, and it's like you've fallen, and you, you, you just can't seem to get up again. That's, that's, of course, the thin ice. Well, how can I feel secure? If my friends don't make me feel secure... How can I feel secure? Well, let's try something else. How about if we give you a guarantee that everything's going to be all right? That uh, you can, your whatever you have, your money will be good. You can keep your property. All your friends will always be with you. We're going to give you a guarantee that you'll just sail through this life without any problems whatsoever. We'll guarantee that. A guarantee or a warranty is designed to elicit trust, to make you trust whoever's giving you that guarantee or that warranty. But you know that guarantee or warranty is only as good as, and you say only as good as the guy that's making the guarantee. Well, that's one part of it. Someone says, well, I got a lifetime guarantee on this. And the question is, whose life? Lifetime of what? The lifetime of what you bought? The lifetime of the person who sold it to you? Your lifetime? Whose lifetime? Read the fine print. The guarantee usually has to do with the person who's giving you the guarantee. If they're they're not around, they can't help you when things fall apart. We bought some windows one time. Lifetime guarantee. Ten years later, the company was out of business. Where's the guarantee? Who made the guarantee? Who can help us? The second part of that is the guarantee or warranty always depends upon the individual who's taking possession of whatever's being guaranteed, which means that you have to accept the responsibility of ownership and maintain that property that you have in such a condition that it would never need to be replaced. And if you don't do that, 
the guarantees void. So I'm on shaky ground again. And I'm on thin ice again. Where can I put my weight? How can I, how can I be sure? We have lots of things that we think about when we think about being steady and stable. I, I've got a good job. Well, keep that J-O-B because they're not that plentiful, basically. They're not that easy to come, for, come to and they're not that easy to maintain and to keep. There have been people who have kept their jobs for 25 or 30 years and then lost them when they still needed that job to continue to put bread on the table and keep the table in the house and keep the house mortgage payments up. They've lost the job. Well, what I'm saying, friends, is this, and, and this, this usually comes about because we have the attitude in our, in our everyday life, typically we have the attitude, that everything is going to go on the same tomorrow that it was today. It's just going to just keep going on. Everything's going to be good. My job is going to be good. My employer is going to keep me on. He's not going to sell the business and sell it out from under me. He's not going to trim back his staff. He's not going to lay off his workers. He's not going to, he's not going to sell out and, and abandon me. He's going to keep my 401k in place. He's going to make sure that I have a retirement policy. My employer is going to take care of me for life. And it may not happen. James said it this way, and it's good advice. Go to now, you say, today or tomorrow we go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereby you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now what I have said to this point is, that we cannot put our full confidence in the government. can't be done. Because sooner or later, some of us, maybe all of us, will break through the thin ice of the government. We'll break through. The government will fail us. We can't put our full weight on our currency, on our savings account, on our bank account, on the money we've tucked under our mattress because the money, the currency may have an expiration date on it. We cannot depend upon our property completely. We may lose it. We need to get through this life from one end to the other. And there, the, the things we've talked about may not get us there. Our friends, even though we associate with the greatest number of them we can, and we're with the majority of the population, the guarantees that we've given during life, whatever we buy and whatever we have, may not be good. And our job could fail us. So what, what are we saying? We're saying that the ground we're standing on is shaky. Period. As a, as a normal human being, as an individual, part of the human race, here we are trying to get from one end of life to the other end of life, and we're walking on ice and there's thin ice that we can fall through. And when we fall through, that's the point I want to make. When we fall through, if we do not have some way to get back up and go on, it's disaster. Disaster. What does a person do when the government fails them? 
when it doesn't provide for my medical needs? What, what do we do when, when the money we've saved up begins to slowly disappear and it's gone? What do we do if we have no other form of support? What do we do when our friends betray us and forsake us? When we think we're in the population, but we're betrayed. What do we do when, when we lose our guarantees? What do we do when we lose our job? I'll tell you what. If you're not trusting in God at that point, if you haven't trusted in God before that point, you are in trouble. You are in serious trouble. And if you have not trusted in God up to that point, you can't make it. You're not going to make it. You can't, somebody can't come along and say, well, you ought to trust in God now. You lost your job. Have confidence in God. A person that's lost his job, when you tell them something like that and they don't even know God, what good is that going to do? It's not going to help them. It won't get them back on their feet. When someone has lost their home and you come along and say, well, you should trust in God, they haven't trusted in God. They didn't think about God. They thought about getting more property. What do they do? You say, well, I'll, I'll tell them, trust in God, He'll take care of you. That's not what the Bible says. That's what we say, though, in trying to prop them up. The point is, unless you start out trusting in God, you have no way of keeping anything solid under your feet. No way. Now that's why Jesus advised us to start all over again. Start out like a babe. That's what he said. Okay, I, I want to know how I'm going to get through the troublous times. How I'm going to get through this pandemic, medical pandemic. How I'm going to make sure that I get through this social and political upheaval that we're involved in right now. How am I going to get through it? You're going to get through it, and you're going to stand on solid ground if you started out with Jesus, and if you believe in God, and you've always believed in God, He's going to keep your feet on solid ground. Did you know that? You can get through it, and you won't be shaky. He starts us out by telling us, first of all, I'll lift you up. You know, I want you to become a babe. I want you to start all over again. You're in sin. You, you broke through somewhere already and you're a muddy mess. And he said, I'll wash you off with my blood. You're in sin. Now I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to stand you up. Have you ever seen, and you may, may have or may not have seen it, in physical therapy, the physical therapists have come up with, and I don't know when they got this, but, but it's a pretty neat little trick. They got a big cotton belt that they put around your waist. When you've had an accident or a fall and, and you've had some kind of serious medical condition and you can't stand up by yourself, they put this big cotton belt around you and some of them have little, little uh, hand grips on them. And when, the, when you get up, they, they get that grip from behind you and they lift you up. Now you're standing and now you're walking. That's what happens if you fall through the ice, if Jesus is with you, what does he do? He reaches down and he gets the hand grip on the belt. And it's called a gate. G-A-I-T. A gate belt. He reaches down and he gets the hands on that belt. 
and he lifts you up and puts you on your feet. First of all, you recognize that you're, you're a sinner. You recognize that you've sinned and you say, well, I'm in a mess. I can't get through this. The, the ice is thin. The ground is shaky. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to turn to. Well, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, the psalmist says. My deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. So we repent. We say, okay, I've gone the wrong way. I need to come back. I need to get my life right. And so Jesus comes along and we say, I believe in you, Lord. I believe that you are the Son of God. And we confess that. And at that point, we begin to put our trust and our strength in God. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. Put your trust in the Lord. Psalms 4, verse 5. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now I'm talking to people who have believed and who do believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And you know that when you slip, that there's someone there who's got the safety belt on you, the gate, big cotton belt. He's grabbed those handles behind you and he said, up you go, here we go. We'll get back on solid ground. Now, what I'm telling you is a person that does not believe in God does not have that assistance. Doesn't have it. Your friend can't do it. Your friend can come along, put his arm around your shoulder and say, I'm, I'm so sorry you lost all your money. I'm not going to give you mine, but I'm sorry you lost yours. You're not going to have someone come along and say, Hey, you, you, you went through the ice. I'm going to stay away because I don't want to go through the ice. I'm not going to get close to you. You're a loser. We're not, we're not going to have that. The government may say, well, I would help you, but we're not going to pass another relief bill because it's not in our best interest to give you any more relief. I'm not going to pay your medical expenses because it's not in the document, not in, in the thing here. We're not going to do that. But Jesus said, don't worry. Here we go. You're going to stand up and you're going to get through this and I'll put you on something solid. Put your feet on something solid and you can walk. He'll wash you in His blood. Baptized into Jesus Christ for admission of sins. You rise and you walk in newness of life. Now then, you're a new creature. You fell through once. He's got you out. Now He's taking you out. God is solid. He is our solid footing. He is more solid than a rock. He is a rock. But he's, he's, he's rock and so is the sun. Jesus is a rock. He's more than a rock. He's a stone that the builders disallowed. 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 7 and 8. He's the rock that followed Israel in the wilderness. 1 Corinthians 10 4. Just for those Bible believers. You know what I'm talking about. He is the rock that, that Peter said, when Jesus said, who do you men say that I am? And Peter said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say that I am? He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Wait a minute, what rock? Some say, well, the word Peter means rock. Well, it means stone, little stone. You mean Jesus is saying, I'm going to build my church on this guy, this man? I'm, I'm going to make sure that 
Everything that I have in the universe is going to be piled on top of this puny shoulders, this guy, Peter. That's what some people teach. And that's so silly, isn't it? It's so foolish to think that God would put everything in this eternity on a man instead of on his son. He put it on son. Jesus is the rock. He's the rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. That's where my people will rest their faith. Faith in God. And Paul said that we need to be strong in the Lord and we need to stand in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14. We need to stand where? Stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Let's get practical. I started out by saying that the Bible is practical. It is. It is very practical. What solid footing has God given us that we can put our feet on? God has given us that solid rock. And that rock is His Son, Jesus Christ. And that rock is contained in His Word, the Bible. Jesus is the Word. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. He is, he is called the Word. He is the living Word. And He has given His Word. And then He has given His Word to us that that Word is solid and it's here. It's not going to pass away. In Matthew 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but My Word shall not pass away. Now that means that His Word contained in the Scriptures will always be with us. But that's, the, that's one of the broadest guarantees and promises that we'll ever have. For instance, this book has been translated into so many different languages, but it is, it is because it is the Word from God to us and it's solid. Now we can put our, our full weight upon the Word and Believe that we will never break through. Now, there are a lot of people that do not believe the Word is the Word of God. But they don't believe it in spite of the evidence that it is. And here we have, of course, the most magnificent book that the world has ever seen and the Word has ever seen. The Bible is the oldest living extant book in the history of humanity. The oldest. Books have come and gone. As a matter of fact, most nations that conquered other nations usually destroyed the books that, com that, that compiled the history of the other nations. This Bible, this book, has never been destroyed. It's been here and it's been complete for at least 2,000 years, Old and New Testament. And the Old Testament part has been here for over 3,700 years, and it's still here. It has endured storms, earthquakes, fires, political upheavals, massive social changes, and the onslaught of unbelievers in every generation. But it still stands. And it stands permanent. It is the words of God, and it is the word of God, Jesus Christ, and it remains. It stands tall and is, shines as brilliantly today as it did in the original form in the original languages. There are more ancient copies of this book than any other document in the entire world. It's revered and studied by more scholars and laymen than any other book in the world. It has withstood the attacks by skeptics and doubters and still stands and will always stand. It's gone into every hamlet and every village on this globe. It is the Word of God. It remains and we can put our weight on it and there is no thin ice in the Word of God. Now, you know what that means? It means that if I want to know what type of person I should be, I can look at the Word of God 
and it will tell me, and I don't have to worry about it changing or faulting or quivering or shaking and letting my weight go through. This book, when it tells me what I should do, I can be confident that that's what God is asking me to do and not what a man is asking me to do. In addition to that, when I read the Word of God, I understand that it is the hope of eternal life that He's given to me and that God cannot lie. And when He guaranteed it, He guaranteed it by Himself, by His own character. So when generations come and go, the promise remains, the warranty is still good, and always will be good, and it will endure into eternity. So, if I want to know what is moral or immoral, I look in the Word of God. I don't worry about what the majority of people believe to be moral. I don't have to look at what the government tells me is moral or immoral. People are concerned that any government can tell us and has the right to tell us what we should or should not do in behavior. Now, we ought to worry about that because the government is not always right. But I know that the Bible is always right. So when I have any question in my mind, for instance, if I'm worried about what the Bible says about the family and the family unit, I look in the Bible and the Bible tells me that it's man and woman and children. That's what the Bible says. It says the man at the head of the house, the woman is the helpmeet, and the children should mind and obey their parents. Now that's the family. That's what the Bible tells me. You say, well, the government says otherwise. Well, that's shaky, isn't it? Now what do I do? If I'm not a Christian, and I'm involved, and I'm not, I'm not a believer in God's Word, and I'm involved in what I believe the government should and shouldn't do, the government can put me on thin ice, and I can fall through. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know what the Bible says. And I know that the Bible, because it is solid as a rock, and that rock is Christ, I know that it's not going to move under my feet. I know that when I read the Bible about morals, that they are substantial, and they are static, and they're permanent. I know that. I don't have to worry about that. And I don't have to be shaky about that. When someone says, well, what about if you lose your job? What, what does the Bible say about losing your job? The Bible tells me that Jesus will take care of me. That's what the Bible says. You say, well, why doesn't He take care of everybody else in the world that needs a job? Because everybody else in the world does not believe in Him. They don't follow Him. They're not dependent upon Him. They're dependent upon the government. They're depending upon their neighbor. They're depending upon themselves. The Bible says in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said... Don't take thought of what you'll eat or what you'll wear, what you'll put on. Don't take thought of these because God knows you have these needs. He's going to take care of it. You say, well, what, what happens if, if, I, if I just don't make it? If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe in God, you believe in the promise that He's given us. And that promise is in Titus chapter 1 at verse 2. He has promised us eternal life. So at the very worst part, if we don't make it physically, we're going to make it in eternity. We're going to come back and God will take care of us. And if we're looking for the place where we ought to be with God, we don't have to look too far 
because we have received a kingdom. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. We received a kingdom that cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So now what I'm saying is, and what the Bible says is, that we have every confidence that we can stand on permanent ground and solid thick ice with our God because He has said, I have a kingdom that you can be part of, you can be in it, and it will never be moved. It will always be here for you. Always be here. Where is it? Colossians 1 verse 27, or let's start with Luke 17 verse 21. This says that the kingdom of God is within you. When you open your heart to God through the Word, when you open your heart to Jesus Christ, Colossians 1.27, Christ is in you, the hope of glory, then you become part of the kingdom. doesn't make any difference where you are. This, the earth will pass away, but the kingdom is eternal. It will always be here for us. So, you can... Uh, you can face any crisis, and we are in a crisis. We can face any crisis as a believer. If you're not a believer, you may not be able to face the crisis. And it doesn't, it, it, like I said a while ago, you, should, you, you need to be prepared for the crisis by your faith in God. If you're not prepared for the crisis, you're going to go through the thin ice and there won't be anybody there to get you out. You won't. You won't make it. You won't make it. You won't make it uh, through a financial situation. You won't make it through a family crisis. You won't make it through a health crisis. Someone says, "Well, I, if if we just have good health and a good job, we're okay." But that doesn't always work out, does it? I think you can be okay. I know you can be okay. If you're okay with God. Psalms 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. The Lord is on my side. So, we know that there's solid ground, not quaking earth, not thin ice. There's solid ground with Jesus Christ, with our faith in Him our faith in Him. God help you come to that knowledge yourself and to start your journey if you haven't already or if you've already started your journey to stay on the journey with Jesus Christ. He will keep you and He will keep you from shaking, shaking ground and quivering with the ground. He'll keep you through any crisis. Don't wait for the crisis to think that you can believe in God and overcome during the crisis. Get ready, and you can avoid the crisis or avoid being lost in the midst of the crisis.